live here. All right. Okay. Everybody show us your guns. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome to the Crypto Mining Tools podcast. And we're here today with our co-host, Ethan. Hi, everybody. Ethan here. And today our special guests are Chase and Nathan from Immersion Systems. What's up, guys? Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, so we have a, a great uh, episode today to, to bring to you. And we're going to be talking a little bit about everything, but uh, immersion is definitely one of the central topics. Uh, these guys are, are great. I, I met them in Texas, actually, and uh, visited their facility. Uh, I don't know, was it like maybe over a year ago? And uh, like early 2018. Sorry. Yeah. 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 And I, I think you guys were, uh, you kind of had some immersion and some air. Uh, but you've definitely expanded since then, and I know it's been really exciting uh, year for you guys. Absolutely, absolutely. It's been a lot, but it's been fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, can you tell our audience, like, how how did immersion come about? Like, what's what's the backstory there? Um, you want the long version or the short version? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll, we'll do one. the short version for this po podcast. Short version. Okay. Short version, uh, we got hacked, and uh, the hacker, uh, this is like 2016, the, mm -hmm. the hacker said, hey, you got to pay me in Bitcoin. We didn't know what it was. We had to figure out that, that whole thing, bought some on uh, Coinbase, paid the hacker. He was a legitimate hacker, and he sent us the keys to unlock all of our like legal files and stuff. Wow, um, yeah. that's a story. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. That, that, that we can go. This is a deep rabbit hole. We can go if you want. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I'm really glad you guys got hacked. Yeah, well, yeah, I, me too. <laughs> I mean, uh, it it's changed your life in a lot of ways, and I think it's kind of amazing that um, you know something nefarious like hacking is what got you to you know be at, you know center stage. You guys are kind of what I consider the the leaders um, in your area. So, thanks. Yeah, that's uh, I mean that's just phenomenal how. How okay. something something negative can turn into such a positive. I know it was it most was it was crazy. Hacking. Like, what was that? I said most profitable hacking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So whoever that white knight hacker is out there, thank you for getting me in a bit. But oh, so and then, and then uh, yeah, why don't you just first tell us a little bit about uh, yourselves personally? Um, you know, Chase, you're sure. uh, the owner or one of the owners, and then and then Nathan. Yeah, sure. So um, Chase Blackman, um, 35 years old. I have a, a wife and two boys. Uh, I call them Double Trouble, uh, three, <laughs> three, and, three and seven. Um, but they're, no, they're, they're good kids. But you know how boys can get when they're locked up at home in quarantine for a couple months. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Like uh, us, us boys here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then so uh, my brother and I started Immersion Systems with our uh, other business partner, Chris Jacobs. He's our COO. Um, we started that back in, oh, I want to say emergency system started like early 2018 or late 2017. Um, and it was just, a, it was just a side project while we had our, our main focus was on our, our family business, uh, black memorial and BMS cat. Um, and then, yeah, so that's, that's it about me. Now it's, it's my understanding that the backstory here is, is you guys considered that the reason why you came up with the idea of immersion is because of your location. Your location has, you know, some some pretty hot weather, and you guys were in, investigating, you know, alternative ways 
to regulate the temperature of these miners. And, and you know, that's when you really considered immersion. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, but what about Nathan? You forgot about yeah. him. I want to yeah, hear sure. uh, Nathan's personal story. Oh, okay. Chase is more interesting anyway. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, so 2017, um, you know, got into Ethereum. Uh, actually, my one of my friends in, in college, we'd done a lot of like trading together and stuff. And um, he told me that I needed to look into Ethereum at $4. And I said, that that's gambling. I don't understand it. So, right. so he put in 10 grand at $4 and then I got in at $35. And so he's a, you know, multimillionaire, tens of millions of dollars because of this. And I'm, I'm upset about that. Not oh, wow. for him, for my own sake. But um, so I, you know, I got pretty uh, in depth and, you know, dove down the rabbit hole and um, started a crypto company for tax and compliance in my senior year of college, raised a couple million uh, and then sold it a couple years later. Um, then I joined a company that did B2B um, under the exact same thing, but basically it was businesses instead of consumers. So that was called Blocks, phenomenal company. Um, Chase and Cameron was a client because I explored the mining vertical. I thought it was the most uh, tangible real use case uh, for the product mm -hmm. and you know, explored that. And then um, I just got obsessed with mining. I was like, there's all these inefficiencies and like, there's so many ways to control these inputs that can make it super profitable. We, you know, I, I just really loved it. And then Chase and Cameron were like, oh, well, you know, we're exiting from our company. And uh, actually at the time, they didn't even tell me that yet. They were just like, <laughs> um, hey, are, you know, are you interested in really going into mining? And I was like, uh, yeah, I am. So, you know, we had a couple drinks and talked uh, down at Mining Disrupt and, um, you know, just hit it off culturally um, and backgrounds and all that stuff. And, you know, we just kind of hit the ground running, moved to Texas. Yeah. Mining Disrupt. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great place to, to meet people. For sure. Yeah, that, that was kind of like a pivotal time for us down at Disrupt because we were in serious negotiations uh, to sell to sell BMS. And Cameron mm -hmm. and I were kind of in this place. We're like, well, you know, I'm not really sure if we want to like do immersion systems as a business. So we didn't know if there was the market was going to be very accepting of it because I'm sure you all know the stigma about immersion has been it's too expensive and or it doesn't work or whatever. And so we were going to have to try to change this sentiment about the what we do as a mm -hmm. business, you know, really give it a go uh, before people would even start to take it seriously. And so we're like, ah, I don't know if I want to do that or not. <laughs> but uh, sure enough, like disrupt. Oh. Sorry. Disrupt? What? Disrupt was the, uh, <laughs> the phone disrupted. It, it obeys its commands. Yeah. Sorry, wifey. I love you. I'll call you back in a minute. <laughs> uh, but at Mining Disrupt, that's when you know we were just, we didn't have a booth. We didn't really do anything. We just kind of walked around and talked to people and uh, shook hands and handed out cards. And um, that's where we saw a ton of interest from 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 people. Um, I think it was like the last night of uh we we're like up on the, on the rooftop kind of bar yep. thing or whatever there was literally a line of people like waiting to talk to us <laughs> we we're like wow. okay maybe maybe this is actually a business we can yep. do something with hey uh, i i remember that day very clearly that's that's the day when my blood sugar crashed and i was i was uh getting real mad at people um <laughs> and, and uh, if, if we go back to that episode where we had crypto nando on right on, yeah uh, our podcast yeah he he told the story um yeah so that's Anyway, talking about blood sugar, uh, we were talking about blood sugar, uh, you know, before we went live here today. Uh -huh, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's awesome uh, to to hear your story. 
Um, and then, well, okay, before we continue, uh, Nathan, what now what do you do for immersion systems? Me? The money guy? Uh, yeah, yeah, so <laughs> um, he's, it was a, a... Yeah, you're a it, point of contact, right? Yeah. Um, he's, the, so he's the face. Do uh, business well, and, and, and sales. Um, it was super simple. Like Chase and Cameron were like, I don't know if we should do this project. And uh, I don't know if we should really go into it. And I was like, you're telling me that your product just makes people more money. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yep. And I was like, all right, I need to see a spreadsheet <laughs> out. And um, I like broke it all out. And I was like, oh, these numbers totally work. You just, you can't talk to the small guys. You need to go to the multi-billion dollar private equity funds. You need to go sure. to like the industry leaders. And then you just need to extrapolate out and you need to be talking to the CFOs of the company and discuss the free cash flow versus, you know, just, hey, does it make sense? Does it cool? Like, what is the extrapolated out financial benefit and right. so, you know, we so it's it's uh, a completely different conversation at, at that level than, oh, than yeah. your, your typical you know smaller miner that might have 10 miners or 100 miners like like yeah you, you're talking okay so, so one thing you're saying about immersion definitely is that it makes sense in scale then okay oh, yeah. i think it makes sense only only at scale to be okay. honest if you're talking okay. about uh you know, the, the, the large financial benefit. And there's a lot of constraints, whether it's the dry coolers or any other like, um, you know, economically sound piece that needs to be on a megawatt by megawatt basis. But in general, uh, we realized very quickly that it wasn't, we only want to sell a product that actually benefits people. And so mm -hmm. we, um, you know, decided very quickly that we could not do anything lower than one megawatt. And as we got uh, okay. busier and busier, that went really up to about 2.5 megawatts, right? That was the constraint of the dry cooler. And so yeah. definitely makes sense. Break evens everything. Um, you actually are making your money uh, back before the air mine because it's that much more efficient hmm. and um, the effectiveness of the increased hash rate. But, um, you know, there's larger companies that don't have that free cash flow balance. We'll tell you right now from like day one that it costs more money to start. But six months, seven months out, all the money's paid back. And then from that point, it's just kind of gravy train, you know, it's mm -hmm. you paid back and you're just making more money. Yep. Is that the ROI timeframe that you try to shoot for is six to seven months? Is that kind of your ideal? Well, so um, there's it's very dependent on the Bitcoin price. Right now, it's maybe 11, 12 months. <laughs> I, I think that it's better to say that it's generally about three to four months faster than air yeah, um, okay. because those things are both moving targets. But the increased efficiency and um, the increased revenue in the form of, you know, like firmware um, hash rate increase, those things are moving alongside and dancing with air versus immersion. So no matter what, we're always going to be better than air. You're always um, going to also have the levers to pull of like when crypto's going real hard, you can crank everything to the moon and not worry about the efficiency. When crypto's going down, you have the ability to, you know, put it into low power mode right. and make your cost to produce Bitcoin. So it allows a lot of, uh, financial flexibility that also, you know, the larger funds uh, really appreciate it. Yeah. So. And then, you know, a lot of times, like we don't, sometimes we take this into consideration when you're pricing out a project and sometimes not, but if you're able to overclock your machines, you know, anywhere from 30 to 50 to 60%, like overclock, depending on what type of machine it is, that basically 
directly correlates to how much power that the miner uses, right? Because sure. it's yeah. cash. Um, double and it, the clock is double the power, roughly. Right. right. Okay. So if you can get to your your max capacity, let's say that you have ten megawatts, mm -hmm. and you know normally you would need uh, however many S seventeen. We'll, we'll call it a thousand S seventeens for e easy math. Well, all of a sudden, uh, if you can overclock, you know all of those miners, you you don't need a thousand anymore. You only need 600 of them mm -hmm. to get to your, your max total uh, capacity. And so, as everyone knows, the number one line on the, on the mining budget are the actual miners themselves. It's oh, not yeah. the building. It's not the, the the cooling system or any of that. It's the miners. So when you take that into account, the fact that you need 30 to 40% fewer miners, like in upfront CapEx, you almost reach like pure co cost parity. Um, so that's it was funny. super funny for... Uh, Bitmain and a couple of the other hardware manufacturers to realize that too, because mm -hmm. uh, we flew down uh, Jeff Jinsu. He came to Texas for the first time to visit us for a strategy <laughs> session. And uh, we were like sitting literally in Chase's uh, office. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's a little bit of a language barrier, but basically he was like, So what you're telling me is you need less miners. And then I, was like, I was like, yeah, 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 but we can mine in locations that you couldn't mine before, so we're opening the globe for you. And he was like, okay, that's fine. You know? <laughs> that I can work with. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it really makes sense when you think about the capital expense of, you know, maybe setting up and installing 2,000 miners versus set up and installing 1,000 and getting the same capacity or the same hashability. Um, that's just phenomenal. That's, that's amazing. Did you just have a new word? Ability. No, no, that's a real word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> word. Dens density, right? Or yeah. Yeah. Hash words. density or hash capacity. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that's what we run into all the time. Right. Like, so if you, uh, overclock, uh, your, your miners on the same infrastructure, you know, you got a 30 amp breaker and you overclock them, boom, you know, you, you blow the breaker. So you got to make sure that you're, uh, um, taking that into account that as sure. you overclock them, they will absolutely consume more power. So, so um, yeah, obviously one thing you guys have to uh, think about a lot in immersion is the firmware. Um, yeah. And I know you, you guys have been tinkering uh, a lot with that mm -hmm. uh, just because, you know, one of the first things people ask is, well, I need to be able to control the fans. Mm -hmm. you know, that, that's like the, the biggest thing with immersion, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, can you guys just speak to that a little bit about what you've done with firmware and, and what your thoughts are on that? Sure. Um, <clears throat> so we, I don't know if anybody knows this, but we have our own custom firmwares for the, for the S9, S15, S17, S17 plus, what's minor M10, M20, M30S, um, and that all, all of our clients basically get all that, that they get that for free. That's actually why we have all these firmwares in the first place uh, is because we need them <laughs> for immersion. Yeah. Right. Like putting little emulators on each of the miners is just not like a great solution uh, to move forward. But you know, the, when you can, when you control the firmware, you can control the frequency and the voltage and you can overclock them and, sure. Uh, stuff like that. So it's a dual dual purpose, both uh, for the fans and for for overclocking or underclocking, given the situation. But um, so yeah, we we do have our own uh, firmwares, and it's it's been an interesting ride. The 
you know, back in the day, the S9 firmware was relatively easy to, uh, to to get into. And then Scott, I know you were involved with um, the S7 uh, or S15. Yeah, S15, the James and uh, White Rabbit, yeah, and, uh, and all that. They, they they did all the testing here at my facility, and um, you know I can't really claim any. Uh, I didn't do any uh, coding legwork on that, other than they're like, "Hey, hackers here, have, have this one. I will sacrifice this unit to the wind to, to yeah. defeat the <laughs> defeat the SSH API blocking uh, or whatever whatever the Bitmain was trying to do, uh, and that worked out. You know, so that allowed. The work that um, James and White Rabbit did allowed uh, folks like Vanish and um, MSK and all those other guys to actually do their job, you know, to, mm -hmm. to go out and make, you know, new firmwares and, and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful to, to that group for, for doing that. Yeah. 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 I'm sure you awesome. had a question in there somewhere that I didn't answer, though. I feel like <laughs> uh, I can't remember. <laughs> Not answer, answer. That was yeah. two minutes ago. I can't remember anymore. Uh, I've got a question for you guys. So, I mean, we, we obviously know that immersion cooling evacuates heat far more efficiently than air. So there's there's a benefit there. Um, by having to use, you know, the immersion system, you've had to come up with lots of other secondary solutions, such as the ability to get in and, and regulate the, the fans and, um, you know, control the firmware and the clocking frequencies. Um, you know, what other things do you guys do to like just totally maximize your, your profit? Yeah, well, um, so I, one of the super cool things as we've grown, uh, it's gotten easier um, to work with the hardware manufacturers um, because we've purchased thousands of machines, some of those thousands with you, Scott. So, um, you know, we we have gotten to the point where, hey, this is a, you know, a routine buyer of business, um, you know, doing larger orders across different manufacturers for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And that's allowed us to have a communication link of just like, hey, you guys want, you know, millions to tens of millions of dollars of business. You need to work with us on a solution. And it's mm -hmm. gotten also to the point now where directly from the assembly line, you know, we can work with these manufacturers to take the fans off or to make things specific yeah. uh, for immersion. And it's really hard to convince, you know, uh, Bitmain or What's Mine or any of the big guys that you're like, hey, you know, this is very serious. So we had to go through the grunt work of, you know, taking off thousands of fans and multi-million dollar deals right. through that hoop first for them to believe that we actually, you know, are doing what we said we did yeah. So or would do. Um, but as far as like the maximization of profit and everything, I mean, we um, are a white glove service, a very professional service that is mm -hmm. allowing end-to-end -end solutions to minimize cost and provide, you know, the most benefit to the client. Immersion is one of those things, but, you know, we also are, are working with the hardware manufacturers to ensure that, you know, they have direct touch points to their uh, sales associates and, you know, get exactly what they need in order to make their mine optimal. Um, the firmware that we've done um, internally need simply because what the frequency and voltage specs are for immersion are different than air. And we have both of them and we've, you know, fine tuned both of those uh, and we can, you know, distribute both of those. However, it, we need it specifically for immersion. So whether it's, you know, 
The site locations itself, we help people find those so we can build it into the model. We have you know, a bunch of different sites that we allow people for you know genuinely like sub three cent power all in cost mm-hmm. because we want our clients to be returning to us, right? You know, that's how you build an empire and that's how you build you know year over year business. And we believe that this is a 10, 15 year business at minimum. And so whether it's the site location or the hardware itself, the infrastructure, Chase literally, you know, goes out and flies to Canada or, you know, surveys mm-hmm. sites for people, making sure that uh, everything is up to standard. And, you know, so we have a consulting arm there. It's really, you know, and we love doing what we do. It's fun. I mean, making money is awesome, but we, we have a blast when we do it. Yeah. We play to win. And, um, you know, when I joined the team with Chase, that was one of the first things he said. He was like, no matter what, man, we play to win. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, money second, number one is making sure the customer is taken care of. Number two is we're going to beat everybody else at this game. So. <laughs> I, I'm wondering, um, is there anything like after you've got everything set up, what about like what pools you connect to or, or how you guys manage that end of it? Because, you know, just setting everything up is is one aspect to it. But then you've got to manage the other aspect. Right. For, for yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh. Go ahead, Nathan. Well, so with uh, I'm just going to touch on relationship that we have specifically with Nova Block, which is our pool of choice. Um, And then I think that, and I have no idea, but Chase can go directly into all the reasons why he loves it so much. He talks about it on a a basically weekly basis. So, but um, from our experience, uh, Nova Block's our partner. They've always been extremely transparent, and uh, I've actually worked on building out some minds with them. Um, Yuki, as well as her team, specifically Vincent from Nova Block, have been um, a breath of fresh air when it comes to, you know, just radical transparency and understanding also implementation of different tools that Chase has asked for. So we have nothing but uh, good things to say about that team. Chase, yeah, Chase, can you tell us more? I- I'm yeah, interested. Sure. So when when we were first talking to Nova Block um, about you know some of the projects that they're they're working on their own mining projects, um, you know they were saying, hey, we'd really like for you guys to mine in our pool. And so I you know I connected to it and tried it for a little bit. I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. But if y'all did you know this, that, and the other, that'd make it a lot more more valuable for me. So um, like merged mining was was mm-hmm. one thing. Yeah, so they they implemented merged mining so you could not mine. Uh, uh, Namecoin, NMC, and I think they're still working on Syscoin and some of the other ones. But it's just one of those little added added value benefits that's just kind of nice. Like you know, your your uh, your same hash power is netting you something more than you would anywhere else. Sure, um, th- they're also PPS plus, meaning that there's like uh, I, not many folks are on PPLNS anymore. But mm-hmm. the Nova Block actually assumes the risk in paying you. Because if if Nova Block's not hitting the blocks, they're paying you anyway, huh. and yeah. the, <laughs> that that's in, they have a very low fee, um, you know, compared to a lot of the other PPS plus uh, pools. You know, it's usually three percent and higher uh, for a, a PPS pool. Uh, mm-hmm. PPLNS means that the pool assumes no risk; they only pay you if uh, if if they hit blocks. And so, you know, sometimes you, you can win or lose, but. For most folks who are expecting a steady stream of income from mining, PPS uh, or PPS Plus is, is the way to go. Um, and I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, I think Nova Block does not charge you for the transactions, uh, the transaction fees. Don't hold me to that. I'll have to double check it, but I think that's okay. true. Well, let, <laughs> let me uh, we'll take a look at their website here. Yeah, it's, let's uh, uh, you know, give a big segue. shout out. 
<laughs> a big shout out to our sponsor, NovaBlock. And you know, you heard it from these guys down here. Um, NovaBlock's all about transparency, and they are moving hash rate from China to North America. And you know, this is how in such a short time they've become so big. And you know, you heard it from Chase. I mean, the the PP, what is it, PPS paper share? Yep, PPS. Um, yeah, the paper share. And and they do it, you know, paper share plus, meaning that it's it's based off of just mathematics. It's not, you know, random luck, you know, which pool can can break which blocks or whatever. Um, so yeah, Scott's gonna up here, he's gonna show you guys how to get a good deal with them. Yeah. So sure. yeah, we just thank you, Nova Block, for sponsoring our podcast. It really helps us to be able to produce this kind of content and put it out there. Um, yeah, and just and just to say. Yeah, you know, uh, this wasn't planned. Uh, Nova Block no. is our sponsor, and Emergent yeah. Systems is a, a guest um, <laughs> on this podcast. So yeah, yeah anyway, we really do use Nova Block for all of our. <laughs> I swear, yeah, they're, they're yeah, not our our, our, uh, our clients' minds as well as um, our our minds we own as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, at NovaBlock.com, if you register, uh, you just have to type in OFFORD18 in the invitation code, and that will give you a permanent reduction in your pool fees down to 1.8%. Nice. Um, and we nice. always like to also say that, hey, you know, if you do have a lot of hash power that you wanna move over, give it a try. Mm -hmm. uh, you might even be able to get a little bit lower than 1.8%. Um, I'm sure you guys probably have a little, right. little, little bit lower. We got a lot of clients, thing, right? Like, you know, you got a bunch of clients and we're all, you know, offering the this, hash to to the pools yeah if you have more hash power you have more negotiating room so it's just um you know something that all it all works together so yeah and, and that's one of the many things that that miners can do to optimize their 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 operation like to minimize their their costs like you know the your your pool fees a lot of folks don't even think about that like well, well that's a couple percent right there yeah. that you can save by doing things differently or um a lot of folks just point to a pool because they like the philosophy of it. Like a lot of people, um, and I have nothing against them, but they're still using slush pool. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, I was a finished slush pool too, but not anymore for other reasons. You don't have to get into. Um, so <laughs> we do, don't, do, your, we don't. do your own research. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's other things you can do too. Like the, I mean, Nathan could talk more intelligently about this than I can, but like the, the cost of capital, you know, if, if you need to borrow money, there's, there's very clever ways to um, structure getting that money. Um, your your electrical uh, your electrical rate. You know, at what scale does it make sense to where you can actually start going and negotiating with these power companies for for lower, cheaper electricity? Um, You're definitely so seeing a industrialization of mining. That mm -hmm. um, I mean, you have to be. And it's, sorry for everybody that's a you know consumer miner out there, but you know post happening you have to be, I think sub three and a half cent power to really have a competitive edge, um, and that's not really possible unless you're putting millions of dollars into capex and infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And so I mean I think that we're seeing right now just a or we will see from the capitulation, a consolidation of all of the miners, and you're just going to see the industry leaders, um, you know, push further and people with really strong balance sheets are, are going to be the ones that can weather the storm. Yeah. So, yeah, talking about that cheap power, uh, I mean, you guys are obviously talk talking about finding locations and different places that have cheap power. What, what kind of 
uh, power are you guys working with? Um, so it, it depends, right? Um, we look for reliability, uptime. Um, we also look at geopolitical risk and landscape. Um, yeah. We also look at, um, you know, what the open forward market price is on, uh, you know, the, the landscape of energy itself. Like oil and gas went to negative 36 bucks WTI yesterday yeah. uh, for, for oil. Um, if you literally could go and, you know, grab the oil, the barrels of oil, they would pay you $31 or whatever it was per yeah, barrel to, grab it. to take yeah. them yeah, because they don't have the inventory and stuff. And so it's, uh, it's very movable. It's very flexible. I will say specifically Texas, um, and its own, uh, grid that it has, uh, allows for power that can scale. Um, and I'm not just talking specifically flare gas. That's all cool and stuff, but we're talking about scalable, you know, 10, 20, 50, hundred megawatt plus, uh, you know, power that can happen in Texas and that can happen reliably uh, and cheaply. Um, there's also some places in Canada that can do that too. Mm -hmm. Obviously Texas is uh, primarily oil and gas, but it's also shifting to um, wind and solar a right. lot. People yeah. don't know how big wind and solar is in Texas. So the yeah. overall grid and landscape of, of Texas, there's a lot of sun, there's wind, um, there's oil and gas, and that's all connected in a forward market. So, um, we think it's there's a reason why you just see you know more and more and more people coming to Texas even across uh, continents as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's all connected. I don't know if folks really know that or understand that, but like Texas is its own isolated grid. They have their own like governing body that that manages like the right. real power consumption. It's called ERCOT, E R C O T, um, and it's very interesting. You know, like when. California has brownouts and stuff like that. Texas can actually sell California power if they want mm -hmm. to, <laughs> right. uh, you know, at, at you know, increased rates and stuff huh. like that. But th there is a ton of like excess energy in Texas. And um, the biggest problem in Texas for, for mining folks is that it's, it's too darn hot, you know, four or five months of the year, it is just scalding hot. And that's where, you know, emergency systems comes and in, comes into play. So right. they're able to, Weather, whatever, you know, though in the middle of the Sahara, we should probably figure out a way to mine there too. <laughs> so, uh, so then it's fair to say that you guys, as a company, uh, aren't really exploring the the flare gas at, at this point. We've looked at it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that we're not exploring it. Um, there's a lot more uh, to it. I would say there's a lot more to it than just pull up a generator and, and start mining with flare gas, right? Sure. I mean, you know. Um, so, Working through that is a bit of a headache, but there are folks that we're talking to that are um, currently navigating that landscape, and we're we're always open for you know hearing what people got. So it's fine. If people are in short and maybe too transparent here, but if people are willing to put their capex in the form of R and D into it, we're happy to help them and, and work together in a joint venture. However, if you're looking at uh, the opportunity costs, which you know we uh, luckily get a lot of opportunities because of the heat and um, you know where we can go that other miners can't, it was just not the right opportunity at the time for us. However, you know you have these very large oil and gas companies that get uh, negative you know, rates that they get, uh, it costs them to flare for them. It makes sense. And I think that we're going to see that happening 
further and further along uh, in the years to come because they don't care about Bitcoin. I hate to say it, it's not a big yeah, enough they, market for them, yeah. but they care about the fact that they can decrease their bottom line expenses by converting it to Bitcoin and Bitcoin's just a kicker. Yeah. Right. yeah. Now I've got a question for you guys. Uh, you know, obviously, immersion systems help out in in very harsh environments, very hot environments, uh, sea, salt, you know, water environments where it's not ideal to blow air through machines. How does it perform, or, or can you tell us a bit about how it performs in very cold environments? Because, um, especially when talking about stranded gas, sometimes you know these containers go out in places that are so cold they literally have to be preheated before they can even yeah. turn the miners on. So, what do you guys know about that? Yeah, it's a similar situation with uh, with immersion and being in like a very frigid climate. Um, so the fluid itself, we use Bitcool uh, by mm -hmm. the guys at, at Engineered Fluids. Um, Gary Testa and David Sendin, they're good friends and we've known them for a long time and they're they're awesome, awesome guys. If, if anyone has any interest in uh, just learning about, you know, what what they're up to, I'd uh, recommend you reach out to reach out to them. Um, but uh, so the fluid itself, Bitcool, is a non-Newtonian fluid, meaning mm -hmm. that it does not crystallize. So unlike water, it will not freeze up in pipes and blow up and you know yeah. make the pipe expand and stuff like that. Now, that being said, it will slow down a lot. It will get it'll congeal basically. It'll get thick. Turn, yeah, it'll get real it'll get real thick. Uh, very like big. honey, honey being pushed past your miners. Yeah. So in order to fire up a completely cold emergency <clears throat> system um you know where it's negative 60 degrees fahrenheit outside or you know negative 20 celsius or something then you you have to preheat it um and that's really not that big of a deal because there's plenty of plumbing you just run uh you know electrical uh, heaters down it, it warms it up and as soon as there's enough uh heat in the system to basically not have the pump freak out and die on you <laughs> when you turn it on uh every, everything's fine so um and it's re really pretty easy to do because if you just turn the miners on, they're going to generate their own heat. That kind of starts starts everything moving. And then you just have those electrical, um, oh, thermal thingies. Yeah, the, the, the yeah. thermal strips. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> heater, these heater things. Tell us more about that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to call it thermal couple, but that's not. That's the sensor. Um, yeah, the yeah. flux flux I'll, capacitor. I'll, I'll think. I'll, sorry, yeah. I sometimes forget words. Right. So uh, you can utilize immersion systems in cold environments with just a little bit more um, preparation. Is is basically what you're saying? Just make sure that it's at a you know, a, a yeah, you know, a, a certain a, temperature a before you turn on the miners. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've also heard that miners tend not to perform as well in the cold. They kind of like to be in a, a very specific temperature range to Correct. to get the maximum performance out of them. Correct. So that's very true. Um, so one of the things that we quickly learned when we started immersion systems was that, you know, our, our goal was to try to get the miners as cold as possible because in my entire life, all of my experience with building computers, I've been building mm -hmm. computers since I was like 10, uh, has been if the colder I can get my computer, the better it will perform, the less energy it will consume. And if you look up what a semiconductor is and like mm -hmm. the, the natural properties and how it interacts with heat and electricity and the gates and all that stuff, it'll, it'll make sense. Um, but as semiconductors heat up, they just use more power. That's what it is. 
uh, the short version of that. So we were trying to make sure that um, we were getting it as cold as possible. Well, come to find out that they don't like being that cold. <laughs> so no. we had to uh, loosen the, the the cooling system up a little bit, give it a little bit of wiggle room to, to where it could heat up because these chips are um, tested, you know, at a certain and, and, and tuned at a certain um, temperature. Sure. And like for, for the Bitmain machines, for the most part, it's 80 Celsius. I believe okay. is about 86 Celsius. Um, and that's that's where they're most comfortable. So does that mean that you need the whole tank and all that to heat up to 80 Celsius? No, that just mm -hmm. means you have to fine tune the, the, the flow uh, like across the tank to make sure that as the, the fluid comes across the, the, mm -hmm. the hashboards, that those chips are able to get up to roughly 80 Celsius. You don't want the whole thing, you know, cooking at 80. Uh, you just want it to be able to go, go across, reach 80 and then exit the exit the tank. Now, we all kind of consider fluid and electronics kind of a, a big no-go. Like, you know, a lot of people <laughs> don't feel comfortable with that. Can can you explain to our, our listeners out there, what kind of safety features do you guys have built in? Um, I know from my research that if I actually had a choice between air and immersion, I would choose immersion because it's much more safer than air. It is. But it is. So, yeah, can you, you explain a little bit about that? Sure. So... Um, the fluid is, it's a dielectric fluid, meaning that it is, uh, that does not conduct electricity. Um, now that being said, w the first time that we poured fluid on one of our sweet baby S9s, right. <laughs> they were gold back in the day, yeah. right? Like, oh no, we're going to destroy this thing. Uh, the first time we poured, you know, pouring gallons of fluid on this thing, I was like, this is a terrible idea. What are we doing? I, I'm sure you've destroyed a few. <laughs> uh, but no, it's, it's, it's perfectly fine. So. Um, we get that, that fear from water because we know mm -hmm. that water, the liquid, if you pour it on something, you know, fire and all yeah. sorts of issues, but um, it doesn't conduct electricity. Uh, so it has roughly the same density uh, as water. Mm -hmm. So it's about 1600 times more dense than, than air. And that pretty much directly correlates to 1600 times more heat capacity. It can, the same amount of the mm -hmm. fluid can remove that much more heat. Um, but the, um, I, what was the question again? Sorry, I, well, lost. I, I was just talking. I was just talking Words. about how it's it's safer um, ah, for yes. you know for the the sense that you know it it doesn't burn. It's non flammable. My understanding that, is, that, and that, things that, in the open air, you know the you know wiring harnesses and and the you know the plastic on the wires itself. That stuff's flammable and it it'll burn. Oh, for sure. So there's a. There's a couple things. There's a material compatibility list, which you can mm -hmm. go against the miners. So uh, in our experience, you know, Bitmain and What's Miner have been very safe uh, for these things because of their component list. Secondarily, Chase was telling me, which I thought was hysterical, he got a credit from the fire marshal because as a flame suppressant insurance for the Bitcoin insurance company, yeah. insurance company. Um, and so that was super funny. But there, it just, the third is it's just more control with air and not having that density the same thing too you know we're trying to cool it down i guarantee you with that density if you want to flip it the other way you could heat it up a lot harder because there's mm -hmm. you know so much capacity for that heat so 
you have control of your miners, which allows you more control of your finances and more control of your operations. And that's kind of like the overarching uh, concept on all of it. Now we have done a ton of R&D over the course of three years, and I'm sure that Chase has uh, zapped some miners. I also wanted to explain specifically I'm ashamed. Um, <laughs> was it transformer fluid or transformer oil is yeah. not Bitcool. And okay. the transformer fluid that people are like, oh, you know, I put it in here and it's supposed to be fine for electrics. And then my miner fried three months later. That is not what it's for. And yeah. so you have all of these people that are trying to DIY it. Chase being one of them when he started, he was like, <laughs> why the heck didn't this work? Right. But it's, you know, people use their own um, human mistakes yeah. and analysis to come to conclusions sure. that it's scientifically impossible versus with us. We've done, you know, a bunch of projects across many megawatts that shows that things are going great. Um, our first client is still as happy as ever. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we have great relationships with those people. And it also allows your hardware actually to live on average like 50% longer because right. you're not having the, the boards themselves uh, have as much heat in a centralized location. It can disperse easier. So there's there's a bunch of benefits. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a lot safer too. So um, <clears throat> there hasn't been a lot of talk about this yet. I'm sure it'll, it'll come out um, in the not too distant future, but some of the, the newer gen, uh, can I say their names, the manufacturer? Sure. I'm talking, I'm talking trash. From um, China. Yeah, yeah, some From of the, China. Some of the new yeah. gen stuff um, on on silicone PCBs that'll narrow it down. Um, they're they're struggling. They're struggling um, with uh, these smaller uh, nanometer chips uh, mm -hmm. are just very fragile, right? So on on air, there is you have these little tiny traces inside of those chips and uh, across the the PCB as well. Um, the the printed circuit board for uh, PCB. So the the closer those are together, the the easier it is for um, voltage to jump from trace to trace, mm -hmm. short out, and basically fry your fry your miner. Um, we have been testing side by side, both in immersion and air, um, these these units, and we'll we'll basically this is what we. This is part of what my job is all the time. I'm constantly pushing things to the limit as far as I can push it. And then I have a subset that, of those that I also run at normal conditions. I have a subset that I run with no firmware on them, just what what the what it comes with, with emulators on, on the immersion side and just, you know, dust filters on the on the air side. Um, and what we've seen is that on these seven nanometer chips, the the air side is just struggling i mean we are they are dropping like they're dropping like flies mm -hmm. and on the immersion side they're perfectly happy um mm -hmm. so like you know their boards aren't dying and, and stuff like that so the i've i might be incorrect here but my 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 assumption is that because the dielectric fluid prevents any of those um little short jumps in you know mm -hmm. from, from trace to trace and shorts um and just overall keeps the temperature at a certain temperature all the time, never changes, uh, you know, like the day night cycle of, you know, the uh, temperatures going up and down with air. That's, that's bad for your, um, Oh yeah. Cause it's expanding. Oh, yeah. it's, it's killed, killed many of my machines. Mm -hmm. I'd wake up in the morning and three would be down. I'm like, uh, Oh no. Yeah. So, somebody from F2 pool says, ah. uh, enjoying listening to Chase and Nathan. 
Nice, nice. About immersions. Okay, cool. F2Pool is um, a great, by the way, F2Pool uh, is, a, is a great pool as well. Um, Thomas is their uh, head of business development, have only had good things to say about them too. Um, there is a small part of us that is, you know, like go team North America. <laughs> but, um, uh, but, but besides that fact, um, um, we use them for a myriad of different reasons and also in specific risk tolerance perspectives uh, mm -hmm. of different firms that we work with. We make sure to split hash rates. So our, our top two choices are Nova Block and F2 Pool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, we're at the end of our time here. And um, I think uh, why don't you guys just tell us how our listeners can uh, contact you, how they can find you. Yeah, sure. Um, so first off, let me just say just for a, a little bit of time that we are at capacity for uh, all of our future developments right now. We, we um, are, are working on a lot of projects and it's hard to uh, keep Chase uh, in with all of the different work <laughs> that he's doing. <laughs> so um, we're, we're, we're calling it right here for right now because we first and foremost care about our partners and our relationships and want to make sure that we're giving an A plus effort on everything. And so we can't spread ourselves too yeah. thin. However, that's a good um, position to be in. Yeah. 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 Very blessed. But um, so, but besides both, that, both, fact, both me and Scott want to have this problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but besides that fact, uh, there's a, there's a contact form on the immersion systems.io website. Um, you can talk, can contact me on telegram. Um, also LinkedIn or anything like that. I'm generally pretty easy to look up. I think my name on telegram is at Nathan underscore Ethereum partners. Um, and Chase, what about you? So on, on Telegram, I'm at Anamorphic, um, old gamer gamer handle. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, email, um, you, you can always get me there or on, on our website as well. Um, I don't think I'm going to put my personal email out there, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nah. No more noise for Chase. Yeah, I am drowning. <laughs> don't email me. Okay, don't contact Chase. Nathan is your gatekeeper, right? Right. <laughs> Correct. All right. Yeah. Well, hey guys, I really enjoyed talking with you and, and learning with you today. Um, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks Pleasure, a lot, guys. guys. Appreciate it. Had a lot of fun. Before right. we break, how, how much time do we have left? Thirty We're, seconds. Thirty seconds. Yeah. Oh man, I was going to say if if y'all had anything y'all wanted to up, update us on. <laughs> well, we had some what do we interesting things going on. Drama, drama. Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, there there is a lot of drama going on right now on Telegram. Uh, actually, Telegram is where uh, Ethan and I do most of our business. It's it's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, for some reason, a lot of crypto people hang out there. But yeah, there, so there there's been uh, some drama about the different uh, firmware developers, mm -hmm. you know, and people making firmwares. Firmwares. Yeah. <laughs> so visit t.me/firm wars with a z on the end and and you can kind of get a little bit on that juicy gossip there all right yeah it is, um, it's awesome. like watching a bloodbath in slow motion yeah, yeah. Try, just, not, <laughs> try not to take it too personally yeah and, and turn, yeah. turn off your notifications uh, on your phone chase otherwise nathan's gonna go over there and try to strangle you <laughs> all right guys thank you for having us i appreciate it all right it. take care guys thank, thank you, you very much bye bye, bye.